Well, welcome everybody. Really glad to have you with us online at Homer Glen at New Lenox, Orland Park. Uh, I just, I just got to say, I mean, uh, the will of God, man. I mean, just, just yesterday, I had a, a day like, um, you know, God just, if you pay attention, he's doing stuff. Can I just say it that way? Like Noah, my friend I met on the, on the Southwest flight yesterday, uh, this great Christian young man and his fiance, hey to you. Uh, he's getting a job at Ramsey and I'm going to help him try to do that. And, and, and then, you know, like I was at this funeral, this memorial service for one of the greatest men I've ever known. Uh, Joe Ritchie was a guy who made a ton of money on, a, a, at the Board of Trade and then became this huge philanthropist. And he's the reason why we, uh, why Saddleback got into Rwanda and why we are in Malawi and uh, so much good work has gone on. And, 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 and in the middle of being inspired by the memory of his life, got better connected to the inner city work that Mike Singletary's working on just by the will of God. And now we're better connected into what's going on there. They have police departments and cops that are taking kids in their area and starting baseball teams with them, okay? I mean, like, how does that not solve almost everything, right? And everything's being done through the churches. And, and so we're going to jump in. That's a part of what we're going to be working on in the city. And I mean, like, that was just one day. If you pay attention, God is doing stuff around you. Um, and sometimes it's hard to discern, you know? I mean, I understand that. There's this Polish tradition about helping your child uh, choose, you know, what they're going to do with their life. I, I don't know if any of you Polish people understand this, but what you do is evidently you put stuff in their room, and whatever they go towards, they gravitate towards, is what they're probably going to be. So the, uh, the story, as I heard it, was this preacher did it one day, and, and, and what he did is he put a Bible and a silver dollar and a bottle of bourbon in his son's room, okay? And, and so what he's thinking is, you know, if, he, if he's gonna pick up, if he picks up the Bible, he's gonna be a preacher like me, and what a blessing that would be. And if he picks up, you know, the dollar, then he's gonna be a businessman, and that's okay. And if he picks up the bottle, man, he's gonna be a drunkard, and what a shame that's gonna be. So, so he goes and he puts all this in the kid's room, and the kid comes home, and, and so he's hiding in the closet, and the kid comes home from school, throws his book on the, on the bed, and he seems like he's in a pretty good mood, and he looks around and he notices the new things in his room, right? And after giving some thought, he takes the Bible and he puts it under his arm. And the preacher's thinking, all right, this is so great. He's going to be a preacher. And then he took the silver dollar and he put it in his pocket. And the preacher thought, okay, well, maybe a televangelist, okay? I, I don't know. <laughs> but then he uncorked the bottle and took a big swig of the bourbon. And the preacher said, Lord, have mercy, a politician. <laughs> we... <laughs> We are, we are the sum total of the decisions that we make in life, and we've got to pay attention to what God is doing to get us here. We've all ended up here, right? So how did you get here? Like, think about where here is for you right now, what, whatever it is, what, where you're at in your life, who you are, who you're, who you're with, who's your family, all those things. How did you get here? Was it your parents? Um, you know? I mean, a lot of us would say, you know, if, if only my dad or if only my mom would, I mean, and a lot of that is true. Okay? But a lot of why we're here today is because of the decisions that we have made. And most of us um, at least regret a few of those decisions, right? Most of us live in the land of some good and some bad decisions. And the bad is there oftentimes because of the bad decisions, right? The bad stuff in our life is often there. Sometimes it's somebody else did it, but sometimes it's because we made bad decisions. And some of you have come 
to this church, you're, you're watching online, you hope there's a God who will help you make good decisions. And the great news is that God is your Father. He's your Heavenly Father. And He loves you like a Father. And He does want to help you make good decisions. But there's always going to be the challenge of knowing whether you're hearing from God or, you know, it was just the tequila, right? You know the Bible has answers, but how do you know which parts are for you? And, and uh, I know this can be mysterious and all of that, but the great news is this. Your Heavenly Father really wants you to know, and He is infinitely wise, okay? It's not always automatic, but it's also not that hard. It's kind of like this picture I got from England one time. Secret nuclear bunker, this way, right? Okay? I don't, I don't, I don't even understand that. I don't know why, they, why that would be on there. But sometimes people are like, oh, I just wish I could know the will of God. Wait, it might not be that hard, okay? I want to read you the end of a verse, Okay, now I'm going to read you the end of a verse. Many of you, will, you'll recognize it, and we'll talk about the beginning of it in a minute. He will make your paths straight. What is that? That's a promise that God will not just show you the way, but like literally, if you interpret the text accurately, he will bulldoze the way for you. He will make your way straight. What that verse means is it's going to be obvious. It will be clear where you are to go, what you are supposed to do. And this is a promise that God has made to everybody who wants to get in on knowing what it is that he wants you to do. So how do you get that promise? Okay, I want to explain the different types of the will of God. We'll do a little Theology 101 for you today so that we can do this. And then over the next couple of weeks, we'll keep unpacking all this, all right? Different kinds of will of God. The Bible talks about the providential will of God, first of all, okay? Providential will of God is, um, you know, I mean, you understand what providence is, right? It is, uh, I'll give you the Webster Dick definition, the care, guardianship, and control exercised by a deity, it's divine direction, okay? God is going to do this. In other words, some of you went to Providence High School or you, you work at Providence Bank, right? It, the thing is, there are some things that God is just going to do because he's God. And you don't have to pray for God to do it. I mean, you can if you want, but he's just going to do it because he's God. Let me give you a couple of examples. But when the time had fully come, Based on God's decision, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive full rights as sons. Okay? When God was ready, he sent the world a Messiah. He sent Jesus to save us. Nobody had to pray for it to happen. Nobody had to act a certain way for it to happen. It was the providential will of God. Here's another one that's going to go on at the end, okay? I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Listen, that's the providential will of God. One day all of us are going to stand before God's presence and be judged for our deeds, okay? Not because we were like, oh, oh, pick me, pick me. I've been so good, I want you to judge me, God, right? It's just because of the providential will of God. And actually, that presents a problem for all of us, right? Because in order for justice to be served and for perfectness to be in heaven, that's why when the time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, to save those of us who want to be there with God and not be judged, Okay, so the second part is because of the first part. Plan B is 
going to be really good for us. When I get to heaven, God's going to say, Dr. Harlow, what do you have to say for yourself, Jesus? What about when you, Jesus? Do you remember how many times you, Jesus? Case dismissed. And you can try to stand at judgment day and do it on your own if you want. Because I guarantee you it's going to happen. But that's not really going to turn out very good for you. I'm just going to be honest, okay? You know, I mean, and many of you grew up thinking that, you know, there's a, there's a purgatory, there's a place where you can go and work off, uh, you know, the sins that, that you did. And, you know, you need to understand the Catholic Church doesn't even, you know, they don't even believe that anymore um, because that's, that's just not it. It, it, it. You know, I did hear, I, I did hear a good story about, um, you know, Pastor Jason at our, uh, at our, at our Homer Glen campus died and he went to purgatory, and he was chained to this really hideous, ugly creature. And, and, and I went up to St. Peter, and, and I said, Peter, what's the deal? And, and Peter said, well, it really is purgatory. You, you know, Jason's paying for his sins right now by being chained to this creature. So then I saw Pastor Richie at our, at our, at our New Lenox campus, and, and he was chained an even more hideous-looking creature. And, and, and I'm like, Peter, really, it's the same thing? And, and, and Peter said, yeah, uh, he's, he's being punished for his sins, and obviously they're more than Pastor Jason's, right? And then I saw Todd Clark, and he was chained to Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman. And I'm like, Peter, what is the deal? And Peter said, oh, that's her punishment. Some days I just feel like telling dumb jokes and you're going to have to deal with it, okay? But back to providence, there are some things that God is just going to do. They're not dependent on our obedience, right? And here's the important and wonderful thing. (laughs) I'm laughing at myself for telling that joke. God often uses humans to accomplish his providential will, okay? His providential will is not dependent on humans doing anything, but sometimes he uses them, okay? One day God said to Abraham, Abe, I want you to get up from where you are, and I want you to go to a new place, and you're going to start a new nation, Israel, that is going to be blessed because of you and I've chosen you. One day an angel showed up to Mary and said, you're going to have a child. I know you're a virgin, but you're going to have a child. God's saying, I'm going to send my son into the world and nobody can stop me. But Mary, I'm going to use you. Okay. What's interesting about the providential will of God is that we, we can be used, but we can't mess it up. This is speculation, okay? But it, you would think, think about this for a minute, okay? One day God came to Moses, who would lead his children out of Israel, and, uh, and, and decided to choose him for that job. Well, how did God set that up? If you know the story of Moses, if you saw the Ten Commandments, right? Originally, God set it up by placing Moses in a basket and having Pharaoh's daughter discover him, and, 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 and he grew up as Pharaoh's son. So, I mean, most scholars would say if... if Moses would have just stayed in plan A. It would have been super easy to lead the children out of Israel if he's the new Pharaoh. But what happened? Moses got angry and he killed a guy and he ran away. Did that mess up the providential will of God? No, it just made it harder. Now Moses will have to do it from the outside instead of the inside. You understand? I'm not saying that Moses or Mary or Abraham couldn't have said, couldn't have said no, 
But God was going to have a nation, Abe or not. He was going to free the people, Moses or not. He was going to have a son, Mary or not. And thankfully, they all said yes, okay? Providential will of God. Then there's the moral will of God. The moral will of God is seen in all the commands that God has given us, the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots, right? There are just some certain things, and, and some of them are in the Old Covenant and for a reason for that. So, you know... Let's not dig into that topic that's way too deep. Let's just think about the stuff that we really know. Let's talk about the new covenant and what the new covenant says. Like, for example, when Paul said, it is God's will that you should be sanctified and that you should be sexually, (laughs) that you should avoid sexual immorality, okay? You should avoid sexual immorality. Part of God's will for your life and my life is to remain sexually pure. You don't have to pray about it. If you're married and there's someone at work that's paying you a lot, a lot of attention and you and your spouse aren't really clicking you know, on all cylinders, there's no sense praying about whether you should flirt with that person. How many times have you seen that work out well? And that's not just Old Testament stuff either. That, I mean, that's pretty clear. You don't need to get on your knees and ask God for direction on this decision because God has already answered that question. It's part of his moral will. And here's the problem with God being the only parent, okay? You can't go to mom and try to get her to go the other way, right? God's not going to change his mind on this because he gave us his moral will for our own good. God knows the effects. He's not mean. He created sex. He knows what it ought to be about. He knows more than Dr. Phil about the topic, okay? So the moral will of God is basically wrapped around the character of God. This is what's important. The person God wants us to be is based on who he already is. Does that make sense? The person that God wants us to be is based on who he already is. So this is kind of like going to the dentist, okay? They're going to tell you a bunch of stuff that you should do, and whether you do it or not is entirely up to you. Why is it that the day you're going to the dentist, you remember to floss, right? And that's the only day I do it. Is that the only day you do it, right? I'm like, oh, I got to go to the dentist. I better floss, you know? The, the last time I got my teeth flossed was the last time I was in their chair, but, but I'm not going to look like I wasn't flossing. And so that when they say, have you been flossing? I can say yes. <laughs> Once, just a minute ago, before I came in, I had one of those little things in my car. I, I, it's not going to do you any good to go to God and say, God, I need some direction today. And by the way, I flossed, right? Today. There's some stuff you already know about God's will. And if you don't, if you don't we're going to talk more about this stuff in the next couple of weeks again. What I'm saying is the more familiar we, come with the, we become with the moral will of God, the easier it is to discern the third part, which is the one that we're really interested in, which is the personal will of God for my life. Okay, Should I marry you know, her or not? Should I take this job or stay with this one? Should I buy this minivan or get a cool new F-150, right? Of course, sometimes it's not up to God if you're married, okay? <laughs> if you're married, God's will can be overridden by your spouse. I'm just, <laughs> it's me to you, okay? I've been doing this a long time. The personal will of God involves those decisions that all make 
that we all make every day of our lives. Decisions that are not specifically spelled out in scripture, like what kind of car you're gonna get, right? The good news is this, God is very interested in those types of decisions. Let me give you an example, okay? The apostle Paul said, I am Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Paul says he felt called to be an apostle. He's not saying everybody's called to be an apostle. He says, I am, right? I have a specific thing that God is want, wants me to do. And God was pretty specific because he blinded him and knocked him off a horse. I mean, you, you can't argue with that. So when you have a decision, when I have a decision to make personally, if there's nothing that really helps point me in any direction one way or the other, then those decisions fall under the personal will of God. Now, please listen to me. I don't believe that God has a specific personal will for every aspect of your life. I don't believe that it was God's specific will that Denise and I get married. I don't think it was a bad idea, but I don't think it was God's specific will. It fell into God's moral will. It fell into God's providential will because I believe God's providential will was for me to be in ministry and for her to be in ministry. So doing it together was a very simple thing. I believe that God called both of us to do full-time work with our lives and devote our lives to the local church. And we both could have married other people and allowed God to work through us in those marriages to accomplish his plan. And if we would have married other people, her life would have been easier, and I would probably be a part-time Uber driver, okay? It, it's, I mean, it's, it's, can I give you one more joke? Okay. It, I first heard it with Bill and Hillary Clinton, but I mean, it fits in this category so well, right? So, so Bill is president, back when Bill is president, and they're driving through Chicago, and they stop in this gas station, and Hillary goes in to pay while he puts the, you know, the, the gas in the tank, and she's in there a really long time, and she finally comes out, and Bill's like, what took so long? And she said, oh, there was a guy in there I went to high school with. Actually, an old boyfriend. And so they drove off, and, and Bill was smiling, you know, really big, you know, he was like, just really being smug. And finally, she couldn't stand it. She said, okay, what's so funny? He said, well, think about it. I mean, if you had stayed with him, you'd be married to a gas station attendant instead of being married to the president of the United States. And Hillary said, no, if I married him, you would be a gas station attendant and he would be the president of the United States. <laughs> that is true of Denise and me in so many ways that you will never, ever understand. You don't even believe me right now, but ask the people that know us, you know that that's true. My point is that if you believe that God has one soulmate for you and things, are gonna, and things aren't going well in your marriage, you're tempted to think, oh, I made a mistake. It wasn't really God's will for me to marry that person. No, that's incorrect. You didn't make a mistake. You made a decision. And God's moral will says that you should stick it out if it's at all possible. There's even a random country song I heard the other day called Soulmates Aren't Found, They're Made. I love it when country music does theology better than most of the world really gets it, right? Soulmates aren't found, they're made. What a great song. It's like this. Dallas Willard said, when my kids were young and they were playing in the backyard, they were in my will. I didn't care if they were playing in the sandbox or kicking a ball or drawing with chalk. They had free will, but they were still in my will. Make sense? So don't get geeked out about this. Here's the big picture, okay? Don't miss this. This is the big picture. The more familiar you become 
with the providential will of God, what God is going to do anyway, and the moral will of God, what God wants all of us to do, the easier it will be for you to discover the personal will of God for your life. Does that make sense? The more you understand what God's going to do anyway, the providential side, and the more you understand how he wants it to all go, the moral side, the easier it's going to be for you to make the decisions, okay? So what's the problem? What's the problem? You know what the real difficulty is with the will of God? Think about it, because it's not God's problem. If someone loves you enough to send their son to die for you, they probably aren't going to hide the answers to your life from you and make it a difficult puzzle to solve. The problem is ours, and the problem is obedience. The problem is obedience, okay? I'm not saying that you probably already know everything or any of that. I'm just saying that sometimes we just don't pay enough attention. Do you you know what this is? Um, it's, not a, it's not a top, it's, it's not a yo-yo, it's called a plumb bob, if you, don't, if you aren't familiar. I mean, they make electronic versions of this and, and all kinds of different things that happen now. But a plumb bob is what, a, what builders use this for, uh, especially brick masons and, and, and people that are building walls, whatever. They lay the brick according to the plumb line. All right. Sometimes they string them up across the top and do it that way. But this is obviously a heavy weight on the end of a string. And as you attach it and let it hang down, guess what this is? This is perfect up and down where you want it to be. This is absolutely straight. You don't need the little bubble. You don't need anything else. All you got to do is go against the plumb bob and you know what is exactly right to be done. This is what God's will is and why it really isn't all that hard, okay? It's the standard by which decisions get made. It sets the course for what God wants for you to do. Therefore, the more familiar you are with the plumb line, okay, the more familiar with it, the easier it will be to decide all the unknowns. And again, God's plumb line is clear in so many areas, And if God's plumb line is here and your life is here, then you're going to lay a crooked wall. And the more that you lay a crooked wall, the harder it's going to be for that wall to stand. And at some point, it may all come crashing down and you may need to start over. And I don't know where you're at in that whole journey today. Maybe you're at the crash down spot. That's what I've been wondering. I've I've been thinking how many are going to be listening to me and like, it's time to start building the wall all over again? Well, let me, let me just assure you, when you do it this time, do it this way, okay? Do it this way. Build, on the, build on, in a way that the wall is going to stand because it's done according to the plumb line that God gave you. If, if you don't, it would be like, one of your junior high kids walking into your house one day with a lit joint saying, Dad, what do you think I ought to do with my life? Where, where should I? Where, where? I'm sorry, I saw Fast Times. I know how you do it. Where should I go to college? What should I be? Okay. How can... How can you have that conversation, right? You're not going to have, you're not going to help her figure out her future until she fixes her present, right? And the tendency is for us to say, God, God, I want you to show me, okay, 
I want you to show me what I should do so that I can consider it. I mean, this seems like a good idea. Maybe I'll do this. Why don't you show this to me and I'll consider it. I mean, I'm really kind of leaning this way on this decision or I'm really kind of leaning this way on this decision. But, but, but if you show me this, I might consider it. And, and you know what God's going to say? He's going to say, no, I'm not going to show you that. I need to tell you that I've learned this the hard way. God does not give us direction for our consideration. He gives us direction for our obedience. God loves to hear from his children, but he does not give out information for contemplation and consideration. He gives it for obedience and participation, okay? God doesn't say, well, you know, Tim, if I were you, or here's something you ought to consider, or have you thought about this option? Let me go back to the first part of this verse that we read the end of, and matter of fact, why don't don't we just read it all together, okay? Read it out loud with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All of it. Not part of my heart. Not, you know, well, God, I just want to keep my options open. God says, you need to get to the point where you trust me with all of your heart. And he's worthy of our trust. We know that, right? Even if you don't know much about God, you've got to understand he's worthy of our trust. He will never let us down. And lean not on your own understanding, right? Lean not on your perspective, Because your perspective is down here and his perspective is from up there. Don't lean on your ability to sort things out. I don't care how relationally savvy you are or how financially savvy you are or how intelligent you are or how old and wise you are. God says when you get to the point where you trust me with all of your heart and quit depending on the way that you see things, then I will make your path straight. And it's all your ways, not just the specific area that you're praying about, okay? In all your ways, acknowledge him, but be riveted, be focused to the exclusion of everything else. Just your will, God. Just this. This is what I want to know. So i got to ask you, are you trying to make a decision in some arena that, you know, of your life where it is clear what God wants you to do, and you should be doing it, and you're not. As I do that, all, all that God has taught me to do, I'm, I'm very focused on the areas that are clear. And when I don't do the things that are very clear to me, then that's when I get off the path. Because God can't make my path straight if I'm not leaning on his understanding and trusting in all of my ways. So if you're at the place where you say, God, I'm not sure I want to do your will, but I'd sure like to know what it is, God's reply is going to be, I'm sorry, I just don't play that way. But, Tim, if you will just trust me with all of your heart and in all the other areas of your life, if you'll acknowledge me, we're not talking about like living a perfect life. We're just saying this is what I know. This is what I get. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to follow this. 
doesn't get you into heaven. We're saved by grace. When I get to heaven and, they, and God says, well, what about all this? I'm going to say Jesus. But when I get to heaven, my life on earth, I'm going to look back and I'm going to look at the times that I went against this and I'm going to be probably pretty sad about all the people that I hurt and all the things that I screwed up in my life if I would have just followed this instead of leaning on my own understanding. He says, if you will do that, I will make your path clear, abundantly clear to you. So here's my statement. It's surrender to the known will of God that paves the way to the discovery of the unknown will of God. Can I say that again? It is surrender to the known will of God that paves the way to the discovery of the unknown will of God. So what is it that you're allowing to get in the way of God's will? Maybe you don't honestly know. You don't know God's will, okay? Then make a commitment to learning his word. Are you beginning to see why the study of God's word is so critical? It doesn't save you, but it sure will help you figure this stuff out, right? This is why we challenge you to read the Bible every day, to participate in worship, to be in a small group. This is why we do that. And, and maybe there's a couple of areas that you just want to leave your options open. I understand that. God's not going to punish you for that. But you're going to get crooked. And he's not going to be able to direct your paths. The more you acknowledge him in all your ways, the more surrendered we are, the more we find his will. And that may not be what you wanted to hear today, but... That's the truth. So I just want to ask you to think of one area in your life maybe that you need to surrender. Maybe as, as we focus in on communion, you take a little time today, maybe you need to write it down. Maybe you ought to right now just text a trusted friend and say, you know what, I think, I think God's word is saying this and I'm not going that way and I would like for you to help me do that. I'd like for you to help me stay on that path. Maybe there's just one word that would encapsulate where you're at today. Let me say this again. The more familiar you become with the providential will of God, what God is going to do, and the moral will of God, what God wants all of us to do, the easier it will be for you to discover the personal will of God. And, and here's why sometimes... It is difficult to figure out God's will. It's because he's really more interested in you getting to know him than he is his will. All right? Think about this as a parent. So as we, as we head into communion at all of our campuses, think about this as a parent. Do I want my kids to know what I want them to do or do I want my kids to know me? That's really the ultimate thing. And the beautiful thing is in the process of getting to know God... Ultimately, we understand what God is looking for, what God wants. So trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Father God, I thank you for your will. Thank you for your word. Um, I hope that uh, that didn't sound judgy because I still get crooked just as much as everybody else in this room. And I know your will pretty well. So I have less excuse when I get crooked than, than a lot of people do. But Lord, as we line up to you, as we line up to what you want for us, 
Help us to remember that it's not for our consideration. It's for our obedience. And thank you. Thank you for being our good father who loves us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, hey, we are going to get ready to take communion together. Um, So hopefully on your way in, you receive one of these little packets. If you've never used one of these before, there are two layers, a thin one for the wafer and a second one there for the juice. Just don't want anyone to get tripped up as they're trying to access communion. But but I don't want you to take it yet. I want to give us a minute to pause and ponder what the Lord may be speaking to us. Because there's a lot here as we were unpacking today, the, the providential, the moral, and the personal will of God. And maybe, maybe for you as you're sitting here listening to that, you're realizing that, that God was speaking to you in some sort of way. And there was some sort of obedient step that maybe the Holy Spirit was kind of knocking on your heart to try to get your attention a little bit. And in this world that we live in with so much noise and we're on from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. It's, it's easy to miss those promptings in those moments. And so this is actually one of my favorite things that we do here at Parkview, is we're going to give you just a moment, a minute here of silence to really pause and ponder and reflect. And I, listen, I get it. A minute might not even be long enough. But, but here in this service, that's what we're going to do. Because I just want to give you that, that chance to really consider what Jesus may have for you and what his natural next step of obedience may be for you. It may not be something life-altering or earth-shattering. It could be something small. But that's what journey with Jesus is. It's small steps of obedience consistently over time. And as that noise from the world continues to kind of like fade in, sometimes it's easy for that voice of Jesus to be squeezed out. And so we want to stop and pause and give you that moment here at Parkview to really consider what that might be. So we give you a moment to do that. Uh, silence of your own seats there. There's going to be a video on the screen with some verses and some prompts and some thoughts. And then when that's over, I'm going to come back out and I'm going to lead us through taking uh, communion together. So this wafer here represents the body of Christ, which was broken for you. Let's take in remembrance of him.
And this juice represents the blood of Christ, which was shed for you and for all of us. Take and drink. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your providence. Thank you for your word, which sheds very clearly to us light on this question of what is your will for our lives. Lord God, I pray that you would give us the courage, the intentionality, the discipline, the time to open your word and discover these rich, incredible, amazing truths that you have for us and the path that you have laid out in front of us. Lord, help us to take those steps with boldness and with confidence because we know you love us and we know that you have our best interest in mind. God, thank you for today, the chance to gather together and worship you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I'd love to invite you to stand with me. And as you do, I just want to remind you and say, Lord, bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you.